Thank you guys so much. Children, you can be released now for Children's Church. And for the rest of us, we are going to be continuing in our series through Advent. But before we get started and as the kids make their way out, just two quick announcements that you're also going to hear about later. <clears throat> because Christmas Day and New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, and that's a holiday for Orange County Schools, we are not able to meet on those two Sundays. So we're going to be meeting on the Friday prior. So for Christmas, we're going to be celebrating that together on Friday, December 23rd at 6 p.m. here with the candlelight service. This is going to be a special family service. We will not be streaming that service because of the uniqueness of it. And so for those who join us online, please know that will not be streamed. But this will be an in-person family style service on the 23rd. And then on Friday, December 30th at 6 p.m., we're going to end the year and look ahead to the new year with a worship and night of testimonies here to remember God's faithfulness and to look ahead in the coming year in dependence on God. So I hope that you can join us for those two services as we continue in our celebration of Advent together. So again, today we're in week three of Advent. And, and you've heard me say, and, and Justin say over the past two weeks that Advent, it's a unique season in the church calendar. It, it's a time that's dedicated to the hopeful anticipation of the arrival of Christ. So on the one hand, we celebrate together how longings that, that, that were there as we waited for the arrival of Christ have been fulfilled in his birth on Christmas Day. And then on the other hand, we recognize that there's this continued longing, this continued expectation for Christ's return as we cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. And so we find ourselves... <clears throat> in the space between these two realities. This reality of celebration and this reality of continuing to cry out. And for many, myself included, we can feel weary in this season. There's this sense of weariness that I've recognized in myself and that I've recognized in many of you. It's why we titled the series what we titled it, A Weary World rejoices because there's this sense of fatigue. And uh, one book that I've recently been reading by Paul E. Miller called A Praying Life, he says this, what does it feel like to be weary? You have trouble concentrating. The problems of the day are like claws in your brain. You feel pummeled by life. You have so many problems, you don't even know where to start. Does that resonate at all? Like, do you feel that? Because especially that concentration piece. Like my wife and I were on date night last night talking about this, just this sense, like I sit down and it's hard to focus, it's hard to concentrate. And I'm like, what's wrong with my brain? It feels like it's misfiring. I don't even know which problem, which thing to focus on because it just bounces around and it feels overwhelmed and it just wants to like shut down. It's weariness. A weary world rejoices. So how do we move? How do we move from weariness to rejoicing? Like it can feel like you're trying to ski uphill, right? It's natural going downhill. You just have to like fall over the edge. I've never been skiing, so I don't know. But like I'm assuming you get to the edge, you're going to go down. It's called gravity, right? But trying to ski up the hill seems impossible. 
That's what it feels like sometimes. How do we move from weariness to rejoicing? What is it that's draining, that's a burden on our life that just seems to be draining our thoughts, our minds, our energy? What is it that that gives a, a wellspring of life to our soul in the midst of circumstances? And I'm reminded of Jesus's words in in Matthew 11, when he says, come to me. It's an invitation. Jesus says, like, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. And so here's my hope. Here's my prayer this morning. Let's do that. Let us come to Christ. Bring our weary souls, bring our burdens before him this morning and say, Lord, I need your rest. You invite us to come to you, and so let's come to Christ together this morning. Let me pray, and then I want to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize in myself my own weariness of spirit. It's not in my strength. It's not in my wisdom or words this morning that can bring the kind of transformation and life that we need this morning. So Lord, would you work, would you move by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word? Lord, would you lead us from weariness to rejoicing in Jesus Christ? And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke 2 beginning in verse eight, says this. Speaking of of the shepherds, the night Christ was born, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is God's word. I want you to to see the setting this night as the shepherds were out in the field. And in this week, if you're following along in, in a weary world rejoices that the devotional that we've given out to you, I think we have two or three copies left. So if you haven't gotten one of those, grab them on your way out. Cause there's not many left, but if you're reading along with us, you're going to see this coming week. Um, one of, of the authors, Matt Smurthurst remind us that the shepherds have never seen lights in the sky. Right? It's not like that they've ever seen the, the, the distant horizon illuminated by some far off city. They've never watched fireworks explode in the sky. They never shone a, a flashlight across the field as they watched over the sheep. When darkness fell, it engulfed them. It swallowed them up. They would have stood in that darkness until the sun made its journey to the eastern horizon once again. And so as they stood there, covered by darkness that night, the angel of the Lord and the glory of God appeared around them. And and, and here's what I want us to see that that some of you may have heard me say this before. This is more than just the angel of peering in the sky and shining bright like some angelic nightlight in the sky. 
right? It says the, the angel of the Lord and the glory of God, the glory of God that in Exodus 24 is described as this fire that consumed the top of the mountain, a, a kind of light that is so bright that in, in Revelation, it says there's no sun or moon in the city of God for the glory of God will be its light and it will illuminate it. This is the light that appeared around the shepherds, the glory of God that, that is the same presence of God around his throne in heaven. This is what appeared before them. In, in the stark of night, they were instantly surrounded by God in his glory. And, and here's my hope, here's my prayer, even as we just pause to consider that for a moment. I wonder if that's what some of us need in a way, like that, that we would resonate somewhat with the shepherds, not that we've never seen the, the, the distant lights of a city on the horizon, or we've never seen lights up in the sky, but rather we feel the darkness, the despair. We can feel that darkness around us. An early church father Augustine once wrote, the soul sees nothing but clouds and darkness. She seeks God and cannot find the least marks or footsteps of his presence. Have you ever been there? You're like, I've looked for God. Like, you're going through a situation. You feel the weariness. You feel the burden. And you look up and you're like, I can't see your footsteps. I can't see your presence. I'm looking for you. And I don't see you. And the despair and the weariness can set in. And we can begin to doubt if God's even there. In my prayer this morning is that in the same way that the light of the glory of God shone around the shepherds, it might be the same this morning. You are like, I was in darkness, but today the light of God shone in my life, not by my will, not by what I did, but by his sheer goodness, his light illuminated my eyes and I could see. There's a story there. That's my hope this morning. And I want us to hear the words of what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Whether you stand in darkness this morning or you're standing in the light of the glory of God, don't be afraid. Because fear will blind your eyes from the message that the angel's about to proclaim. Fear what will deafen your ears to hear the good news that is about to be proclaimed. Fear is like a vice on our hearts that squeezed out any hope or capacity for joy this morning. Pastor and Arthur R.C. Sproul once said, it is anxiety that robs us of our joy. And, and what is anxiety? What is anxiousness but fear? Fear is the enemy of joy. It's hard to be joyful when we are afraid. See, the angels came to proclaim a message of good news of great joy, but fear would have deafened their ears to hear it. Fear is the enemy of joy. How do our hearts move from weariness to joy if they are saturated in fear? Rolling Stone magazine in, in 2016 wrote an article, Why We're Living in an Age of Fear. Soon afterwards, Time magazine wrote an article, Why Americans Are More Afraid Than They Used to Be. 
2018. So let me ask you this. Are we more afraid or less now? As a society, individually, more isolated from one another than ever. Fear gripping our hearts. The, the, the largest fears in this year, number one, was corrupt government officials. The second was people I love becoming seriously ill or dying. I talked to an, another pastor this week who just lost his father a week and a half ago. And he and his wife were lamenting the reality of, we're tired of saying goodbye to the people we love. So many people had passed, so much heartache, so much loss, so much sickness, and it was weighing heavy on their hearts, the reality of saying goodbye again and again to the people they love. Fear of nuclear war, World War III, pollution and drinking water, oceans, rivers, lakes, ec economic collapse. News media, politicians manipulate populations with fear. It sells, and we get consumed by it. How do we hear those words, don't be afraid? What fear grips your hearts this morning? Like if you were to really list them out, if you would have the courage to hold them, put them in your hand and hold them out before God, how would you answer that? What fears grip your heart this morning? What fears would we say there are? You've been praying with me for my dad's health, my parents. There's joys. My son's getting married on Saturday. There's things of heartache and joy mixed together. What fears would you lay before God? What fears are draining your heart into weariness more than inviting you into joy? And I want you to hear the angel's invitation, the word of God that says, don't be afraid, look Look, as we bring our fear before God, as we lay down our fear, look to behold, to see, not just seeing with your eyes, not just this visual, yes, I saw something, but it, it means to measure it, to meditate on it, to examine it, to behold it, to think about it, to, to let it rest there and allow your mind to consider its truth. Look Look with intention. Whether you're standing in darkness, look. Whether you're standing in the light of the glory of God, look. I'm about to tell you something, and I want you to hear what it is that I'm about to say. It's like, don't be afraid. Put that away. Pay attention, because I'm about to say something. And this is when the angel says, I bring you good news that produces great joy. Do you hear it? I bring you good news of great joy. Put away the fear. Open your eyes. Good news of great joy. Behold it. Think about it. Meditate on it. 
Again, in the devotional, you'll read, it's as if the angels are saying, get up, you can breathe now. We've not come to judge you as the glory of God surrounded them and they were terrified. We've come to unveil the most magnificent news it is that you will ever hear. The darkness is not forever. Wars will one day cease. Death is no longer the finality forever when loved ones pass. Pollution will no longer poison the earth. Economies will no longer rise and fall at the expense of the vulnerable. There is good news of great joy that is changing everything. When fear grips your heart, know that good news of great joy has come. Today it has come. This is what was being proclaimed in challenging everything that the shepherds knew. What fear has stolen from you, God has redeemed and will return with joy. And it's for all people, for all people. Think about this, it's not just for, for one of us, not for a select few, it's not just for the Jew and not the Gentile, this is for men and for women, for presidents and peasants, it's for the wealthy and those on welfare. It's for the mother and the murderer, the father and the fatherless. It's to the fearful, to the wanderer, to the weary, to the heavy laden. Good news of great joy for all people. But let's be honest. Do you believe it? Like, do you feel that in your soul or has the, the pain of pessimism run so deep that you dare not even dream of its reality? That it is such good news of great joy for all people, for all people. Can it really bring joy today? Is it really for today or is it just for someday, someday in the future, some later time, or is it for today? Is it really for me? Is it really for me or is it just for them? And I'm happy for them, but I'm stuck in my misery. Is it really good news today for me? For look I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. Today, in the city of David, a savior was born for you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Joy has arrived in the form of a baby in a manger, not just someday, not just a later day. That day was today. As those angels spoke to the shepherd, joy has come today, today in the city of David. Weary hearts rejoice. A savior is born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's these three titles I want us to see as we shepherd our own hearts to move from weariness to joy in God. Who is he? This one who has come, that, that this good news of great joy in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. These three titles, Jesus, our Savior. What an audacious claim. Like we get used to it, don't we? Jesus, the Savior, 
think about what it means. Think about what he's saying for just a moment. He's the savior. Meaning he's here to rescue you, to deliver you. It is a statement both about himself and you. He's saying, you're trapped, right? You're enslaved, you're bound in darkness, not only to the darkness of night, but to the reality of the darkness of sin and separation from God. You are enslaved and trapped, and I am here to save you. Jesus, the Savior, born today in the city of David. This is what's being proclaimed. Who he is in a description of our condition. It says in Romans, for for we were slaves to sin. Jesus in, in his ministry would say, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Romans 6.23, and the wages, the cost of this sin is death. This is our reality. When Jesus says, I am the savior, he, he is also declaring that we need saving. We are trapped. We are bound. We are enslaved and unable to free ourselves. But do you need rescuing? Like if you were honest, to the weary and the broken, to the hurting, do you need rescuing? To the sinner and the saint, do you need rescuing? Because too often we have this mentality, I got it. I got it. Right? It's like someone that, that you see, if they're trying to loosen a screw, right? And you see them and they're twisting it to the right. They think they're trying to loosen it and they're, they're going in the wrong direction. And you're like, um, can I help you? I got it. Don't tell me what to do. And you're like, but, but you're you're turning it the wrong way. Don't mansplain this to me now, okay? I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. I got it. And they keep trying and trying. So finally you're like, okay. I think we do this with God. As Savior, we're like, we got it. Don't tell me where I'm wrong. Don't tell me what's wrong. Don't tell me I'm enslaved. Like, I got it. And we keep trying harder and harder, but we can't do it ourselves. We could never do it ourselves. The reality is we need a savior. We need someone to rescue us from our brokenness, from our sin, from our bondage. The first step the very first step in moving from weariness to rejoicing begins in confession that we actually need help, that we need a savior, that we can't do it ourselves, that I am trapped, that my heart is heavy, that I am weary, and I can't just work my way out of this. I can't just try harder. I can't just reconcile myself to God. I need help. It's the very first step. We will never move from the burden of sin, from the weariness of soul to rejoicing in God until we first confess our need for saving. And then we look, we look to the one who was born in the city of David, who is our savior, Jesus Christ.
Charles Spurgeon once said, it will not save me to know that Christ is a savior, but it will save me to trust him to be my savior. See, a lot of people grow up in church and and we know about Jesus. We know what Jesus claimed of himself and we know what other people say about Jesus. But there is a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him. Of saying, I need a savior. He's not just a savior. He's not just their savior. He's my savior. And I place my faith and trust on him as my savior. A savior was born for you. That's how it reads. A savior was born for you. He's the Messiah. The Messiah literally means the anointed one. He's the one who was promised. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, eating from the the tree, and sin entered the world and brokenness and separation from God. And God made a promise that there would be one who, who would be born of a woman who would crush the head of the serpent and whose heel that serpent would strike. There was one who was promised in the beginning in the garden, the Messiah. There was one who would be a blessing that was promised to Abraham, who would be a blessing to all peoples in all nations who would come from the line of Abraham, the Messiah. The king who would be eternal that would come from the line of David, the redeemer who was promised throughout the prophets in the Old Testament, the Messiah, the one who was promised. And now the angel proclaims, he has been born today. The Savior, the Messiah, the one who has been promised is here. And not only is he the Savior, not only is he the Messiah, but he is the Lord. He is God, the eternal God, who was and is and is to come, who has existed for all eternity, who in the Gospel of John, it says, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus didn't have to strive to be like God. He was God. And yet, he humbled himself. Humbled himself of of privilege and rights to the point where he laid down his life, humbling himself so that as the infant grew, as he was perfect in obedience, to the Father in heaven. It says he became obedient to die on the cross, laying down his life to purchase your freedom, saving us. This is who he is. The child is the savior born for you. It's good news of great, great joy. Joy swallows up our fear and weariness as we rest in Jesus. Think about that. Joy, not just the emotion of happiness, but true and lasting joy, even in the midst of despair, that there can be joy. Because we don't have to fear corrupt politicians because we have a faithful king. 
We don't have to fear death of ourselves or a loved one because we know the one who conquered death, who stole the sting of death and gave us life that not only did Jesus die on the cross, but he rose from the dead conquering death. So we have no fear of death because we trust in the one who gives life. We have no fear of the darkness because we follow the one who is our light. We have no fear of a war or what this world may bring because we follow the father of peace and we know what is coming, what will be. And so as we stand in this space, in between the celebration of Christ's arrival and in the waiting in the crying out for come Lord Jesus come, though our hearts can grow weary in the waiting. There's really three things I pray that you just, that we would take with us this morning. The first is this, don't be afraid. What fears grip your heart this morning? In the weariness of the waiting today, what fear grips your heart? What fear is making faith difficult? What fears are robbing your joy this morning? Would you hold those out before God this morning? And together, secondly, can we look to Christ? Can we fix our eyes, not just quickly glancing, not just a passing gaze, but to meditate on the reality of who he is? To consider in the midst of our weariness, and whatever that may be, whatever may be going on, Laying down the fear and looking to God. And thirdly, trusting Jesus as our rescuer, as our savior, the promised anointed one who is God in human flesh, who has faithfully come today to redeem and to save. And so as we wait for his return, we can have joy in the waiting because of who he is. Let's pray.